going on, everyone? Welcome to episode number 43 here on the Proven Knowledge Podcast. This is the Creator Series. Today I welcomed a pretty incredible mix engineer. His name is David Young and Kim. Uh, he's an L.A. native. Uh, he's originally from Korea. He was born in South Korea and moved to L.A. and has lived here his whole life. Uh, he recalled his journey from playing football and having a pretty bad injury uh, in high school to going to college where he picked up engineering with his friends, making music and everything, and since then, he's gone on to work with Dom Kennedy, Nas, um, Benny the Butcher, so many others. I can't even name all the people he's worked with. Won a couple Grammys, one of them with Racks in the Middle uh, by Nipsey Hussle and Hip Boy. And he's actually been Hip Boy's like main engineer now for the past four or five years. Uh, and So he's got to see that journey from that side uh, and everything, working at Chalice Recording Studio in uh, Los Angeles where he's pretty much been, I think, his whole career. Um, he recalled, you know, starting there as an intern, and he slowly just worked his way up to now he has, you know, a full-time position there as an engineer. So he's got to work with many incredible artists and become, you know, a part of many incredible moments. And, uh, man, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, I was looking forward to this one for a long time because I'm a huge fan of David's work and everything. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 43 here on the Proven Knowledge Podcast. This is the Creator Series. Today, we have a really amazing mix engineer. This dude's a legend in the making. Uh, he's worked with Nas, Benny the Butcher, Hip Boy, Dom Kennedy, many, many others that we'll probably get into in this episode. David Young and Kim, how are you, man? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Bro. And like I said, I've been looking forward to this really since last summer, since uh, we got in touch <laughs> and everything. So this is this is probably like, going to be a great episode, I feel. Uh, so to start off, we kind of just have the guests give a little bit of background, you know, how you got into music. Maybe those that aren't familiar with you, just a little bit of background about yourself and why you got into music. Okay, so um, yeah, my whole life I, I played sports and like even to this day, sports are, are my, my first passion. Uh, football in particular, I played since I was, a, I was like seven years old mm -hmm. and I swore I was going to be the first full Korean to make it to the NFL. And, you know, I had, I had big dreams, you know, so, um, that's what I pursued my whole life. Uh, I always had kind of a musical background because coming from a musical family, you know, um, my parents encouraged me to try different instruments and things like that. So I grew up, uh, dabbling in piano and violin, trombone, things like that, but I never really wanted to make it a career until I had a back injury in high school, uh, my senior year, which kind of like derailed my my, my plans to, to play football at the next level. Mm -hmm. And then um, I was forced to kind of reconsider. And, you know, it wasn't so apparent at first because I went to college um, to study business management and I absolutely hated it, um, dropped out. And then uh, was, it, in that moment where where everything was like uncertain, I, I was kind of forced to try something. And um, engineering is something that piqued my interest um, from recording with the with the homies. And you know, I used to rap myself, so you know, we used to record in my my, my parents' uh, garage in like 110 degree uh, summers, right? So. I was the guy always manning the, the computer mm -hmm. and I always had an interest for it, but I needed football to get out of the way for me to actually see it. 
And then, um, so I uh, enrolled into Musicians Institute, uh, the re- recording engineering program. And then um, that was the first time in my life I actually, you know, paid attention in class and got straight A's and and uh that that kind of showed me you know maybe this is something that we can build a future on Mm -hmm. and um from there uh yeah fast forward you know nine eleven years here we are Mm. so so that was probably like what 2009 2008 2009 yeah Mm -hmm. that's pretty crazy and you know like you said like you were going for business and you were kind of just like I don't think that's going to work out that well. Like maybe the music thing will kind of take off and it's, it's probably exceeded your expectations, honestly, for like where it ended up and everything. So I know, um, I know you also have produced on a few records as well. So is there a reason why you've been focusing primarily on engineering? Is it just because of like the success you've had or is that just really like your main love out of what you've done so far? Yeah, I think, I think I, work so hard to develop a a solid foundation with engineering that it would be kind of like almost a waste to not use it mm-hmm. and and low key I, I have more interest in engineering mm-hmm. production production is fun but you know I feel like with production there's definitely a wall where um, my lack of you know time put in to that craft will have me plateauing at a certain point but mm-hmm. between the you know we only have 24 hours in a day and um now i'm married and i have so many other interests it's like if i still want to be um operating at a high level i gotta kind of choose and mm-hmm. engineering's the thing that i, I want to focus on mm-hmm. and not to say i'm not going to produce because i still mess around here and there but it's primarily if you, if you look at the guys I've uh, produced for, they're kind of like people that are close to me. You know, I don't even tell people I produce. It just happens to come out when when someone's in the studio. Like, damn, do you have any beats? I'm like, yeah, I got some. <laughs> it's like then, it's like a secret weapon. You just kind of like, oh, by the way, I got this if you want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If anything, I think the um, the production side helped me as an engineer more. Mm. Because uh, it makes me focus more on arrangement and and uh, things like that to to uh, kind of liven up the mix or introduce something that's like that hasn't been done before. Mm-hmm. So if anything, I'm I'm using the tools I learned in, in, on both sides as a collective. I I know that there's always kind of like a debate as far as like you should focus on one or the other because I know like a lot of producers they try and mix their own stuff at least a little bit to learn how to do it and get their stuff sounding really good and like up to par with kind of the industry standard and everything but then there's also the argument where it's like are you really going to become that good at producing or at engineering if you're doing if you keep going back and forth like you might just want to narrow it down and become a master of the craft and the one thing you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so I guess I guess that makes total sense honestly from your standpoint um but a master of the craft on the other side of the producer side is the guy you've been working with for four years now, I think, Hip Boy. Uh, yeah. So how has that run been? Because, like, that dude, it's fucking wild. Because, like, he had, like, the good music era, obviously, which was a big thing for him, the HS87 era. And then this era is really, like, just him just putting yeah. in a ton of work 
and just being involved in all these projects. So, like, what has that been like for you? Because you've been a part of a lot of this stuff in the last few years. What has that been like to just be a part of the moments that are being created? It's been fun, man. Like, I have to give him credit for for helping me meet a lot of the people that I would have never, you know, worked with if it wasn't for him. And um, I think it's like, I, I love working with him because we have kind of like a brother brotherhood. It's more of a, it's more of a homey uh, relationship than like a employee and an employer mm-hmm. or even a producer engineer. Like we bounce, we bounce around ideas without any boundaries. And um, I think, you know, that, that definitely helps us elevate our game in our respective fields and bro it's been fun man you know there, there was a when i first left chalice to go work with um hit boy we hit there was a little bit of a rough, rough patch where um things weren't picking up like they they used to hmm. you know and then uh in that i think in that time we really showed each other that we were committed to it and um, you know how they say you, you got to look at the people that were there when you were down, mm. you know? And uh, I think that's what happened there. And we, we built a trust upon that. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was interesting, too. I've heard him in some interviews kind of speak about, like, around 2016 and 17, he kind of hit, like, a roadblock where the label <laughs> thing didn't work out and he was kind of just trying to get momentum back. And mm-hmm. it seemed like ever since you guys went to Chalice, things kind of just changed and, like, the whole energy kind of just picked up again. Mm-hmm. And slowly it's built into this momentum where, like, everyone's starting to take notice now. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it was already there, but now it's just right in front of people's faces, so they can't deny it anymore. You know what I mean? So I, I, it's just a, it's just incredible to watch, especially as a fan, because I've been following him for, I'd say, at least – seven or eight years now since before a lot of you know the recent stuff so it's it's very uh, incredible to watch him get you know his accolades and for you I'd, I'd say that's incredible for you as well just to be there on that journey i was a fan before i i, I was ever a um an engineer of his you know mm-hmm. like i grew up listening to hit boy and um the fact that we were we are born in the same year and that 87 means a lot to me mm. um that number is significant in my life because we share birth years and and uh i remember just seeing him around chalice when i was a runner and an intern like damn i really um fuck with his vibe and i hope that there's room in the future for us to work together and uh, you know i manifested it to myself mm-hmm. that one day we're gonna work together you know and uh, hard work pays off, mm-hmm. man. Like for, on his end, like there's no one that works harder than Hit Boy. He's literally first in, last out mentality. Um, weekends don't matter. <laughs> Holidays don't matter. He's here, you know, at the crack of dawn. Like, and he he moves early too. So like he he'd be up at six seven a.m. and he'd be at the studio by ten a.m. And that's not something you see producers and um people in the hip-hop industry doing mm-hmm. you know because they like moving at night and and he even accommodates to that so you got people coming in at midnight and he's still there from 10 a.m to 3 a.m you know so um it's his testament mm-hmm. to 
to hard work pays off. Yeah. It's just like a whole, it's a, like a whole nother level of work ethic for sure. Um, so coming up, who would you say were your biggest musical influences as far as like you remember listening to them in school? You remember being like, oh man, this kind of makes me want to do music. You know what I mean? First on the list is, is Nas. Cause, um, I mean, I've told the story, but my first album, um, my first two albums I ever purchased well, my mom purchased for me <laughs> were Illmatic and It Was Written. So It Was Written, I think, it came out in 96, and I was nine years old. Uh, we went to the record store to get it. Uh, at the time, I had to get the, the the explicit version or the censored version because <laughs> the cat, the register, the guy at the register was like, do you know that this contains a lot of vulgar language and blah, blah, and then she was like, Oh really? Is there one that's you know? And then he was, I recommend the censor version. I was like, oh man! But if those two albums, you know, uh, they kind of jump started my love for hip hop and rap. And um, so Nas is a big, big influence in my life. And at the same time, I grew up in LA. Um, so DJ Quick, Dr. Dre. I listened to a lot of Tupac. Um, so I, I grew up listening to East Coast and West Coast rap, even though at that time it was a lot of beef going back and forth. Mm-hmm. It was like, man, I'm just a, I'm just here for the music. <laughs> and uh, the music was great, mm-hmm. you know? Sometimes, like, if we're partying or, or we're just riding around, the, the West Coast music was the vibe. Mm-hmm. If we're at home and we're, like, if we really want to feel something and dissect lyrics and and the art of emceeing like new york rap was it at the time Mm. so like you know and then the atlanta scene came up and bro i'm a i'm just a sponge man i like i like all different kinds of music and i was influenced heavily by you know those guys growing up Mm -hmm. so i know you've already worked with nas obviously on king's disease and everything which is incredible uh is there anyone else maybe out of that list that you eventually want to engineer for hopefully I get asked this a lot and every time I get asked this I kind of have a similar answer and it's like everybody that I've I've wanted to work with I've had the pleasure of working with and um, mine is like Aaliyah I would have died to work with Um, you know J. Cole Drake but I understand that they have their camps and they have their guys so working with them is like is more of a it's more of like a dream than a goal to me but um i got to work with dj quick uh while i was a an assistant engineer and that was really cool he, he gave me his number um he was like you know keep in touch like you're nice mm. and i was like that's west, crazy. That's a west coast west coast legend right there right For right real. and he wrote People don't know how cold he is on the on the console. DJ Quick can can dissect. He can disassemble an SSL board and put it back together. <laughs> People don't know that. You know what I mean? Crazy. Dr. Dre, I haven't had the, um, the honor of working with, but through Nas um, on the track uh, Full Circle, I got to mix Dr. Dre's vocals. Mm-hmm. Oxy Brown's vocals, AZ's vocals, for Cormega's vocals. So that was kind of cool. So, you know, indirectly, that's like a check on my list. Hey, I got 
That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because it's funny because um, I remember listening to King's Disease for the first time and like I heard Full Circle and I was like, oh, it's kind of like the reunion or whatever. And then like yeah. it didn't have Dr. Dre credited credited at the end. And then like you just hear him. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, fucking, <laughs> that was fun. That was amazing. Yeah. And I was like, OK, this album is like the shit now. Like mm-hmm. it was already great, but I'm like, damn, yeah. they just slid that in there like it was nothing. Right, right, right. I think I think that was a cool moment because back in the day, hip hop and rap albums would have secret features yeah. and even secret songs at the end of the the original song. Mm-hmm. Like Jay Z is, uh, he used to do it. I think on Life and Times of Sean Carter too. The last track is like ten minutes something long, but on a CD player, you're not really you're not really peeping the the countdown, you know, and uh, sometimes you'll find it by mistake. Like, you'll just keep letting it play. There'll be a minute of silence, and then there's another song at the end of the last song. You're like, oh, shit, the bonus song. And, like, I think that was kind of a tribute to that indirectly, subconsciously. You know, let's not let's not put Dr. Dre's name on there. But when he comes out, people are going to lose their minds. And yeah. I hope that it did that for some Oh, it definitely did for me. Like, that was such a pleasant surprise. And that's, like, one of my favorite songs on the album to begin with. Like, the beat is just so good. So, huge fan of that one. Um, What do you think, since you've, you know, been in music, what do you think was the best advice you've ever been given as far as, like, how to approach this as a career? Because a lot of people kind of have trouble transitioning from it from a hobby to a career as far as, like, business goes and things like that. Is there anything that... You know, anyone's told you that's kind of stuck with you all these years? Um, I've heard multiple times that, you know, there's no right or wrong. And, um, I mean, it means something completely new uh, than from when I first heard it. But now, like, what, what I take from it is, like, hey, you can learn from anybody. You know, there can be a bedroom producer, a bedroom engineer that can teach me some stuff. Because their way of getting to a point is still a path. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's still a valid path. No matter how many curves and obstacles that you had to hop, uh, hop over, you still got to this point. So me, if my path does not work, then having these other perspectives is gold. Because mm-hmm. then I can, anytime I hit a roadblock, instead of stressing out over, I can just switch to the next one. And like that's why I think listening um, is a really important thing, and people just told me to to that, just take everything in and learn from everything, you know. And, and I, I try to stay humble enough where I can listen to anybody's uh, advice and, and take what I need from it, and not discount anyone's word. Mm-hmm. So um, that helped me, you know, just. I think stay relevant with the times, you know, I get, I get DMs from, uh, kids that are like 15, 16 and, um, looking for advice and things like that. And then, you know, I try to flip it and ask them for advice. Like, Hey, how'd you get this sound? And what did you do on this? You know? And the things that I hear, like sometimes I use it and it's not always going to be used. It's not like, it's not like I'm, I'm trying to find a new method to do stuff, but if I can have an alternate way of doing something, then there's more power to it. Mm. 
It's like you know more. It's like more tricks for the arsenal, pretty much. Like even if, even if you like you said, if you never use them, they're still there. Like if you need them, at the end of the day. Yeah. So it's pretty. It's, it's pretty interesting. Man, it's ammunition. Yeah, right. Exactly. So uh, if you could go back ten years ago, let's say 2011, if you could go back ten, ten years. years ago, maybe give yourself any advice, or maybe not change anything at all. What do you think you'd do? I'm an advocate of just going with the flow and not living with any regrets. But mm. for the sake of this conversation, in 2011, that's when I first started interning here. Uh, actually, let's see. March 2011, I still haven't, I was still in limbo. So I was, uh, I graduated first in my class at MI. And for two years, I couldn't find a job. And that was between. Uh, I guess June 2009 to March or June 2009 to June 2011 I couldn't find a job so I was still stuck in that limbo in March 2011 you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so like I, I would just tell myself hang in there that everything's gonna work out and this is just a this is just another um, humbling moment you know this is something mm-hmm. to learn from you know like you never want to be here again you never want to think of yourself so highly and then and then be in a situation where it's not reflecting on the rest of your life mm-hmm. you know my whole thing is like there's multiple times in my life where I was humbled because I got too cocky or too confident in something and those are the moments that really taught me the most and um all the lessons that I take and carry every single day it came from those humbling moments so I would tell myself, hey, this is another humbling moment. You're going to have many more ahead of you. But this is essential to your growth. Mm-hmm. So hang in there and learn from it. Uh, you know, any situation, whether it's good or bad, there's two ways to take it. You can be, you can take it constructively or you can let it, you know, become destruction. Mm-hmm. So like whatever happens in life, you have that option to perceive it in whatever way. Mm-hmm. And then from there, your, the paths open up or, or the roads open up in that direction mm. you know so you know I, I think that's something that I, I learned in that time period the 2011 mm. 2010 2011 it was some of the hardest moments in my life because you know I finally found something I really loved doing and I was good at graduated school and then I still couldn't find a job so I was like what the fuck mm. like even if you find something you're passionate about doesn't mean that the world's gonna give it to you you know what i mean you still gotta put in work yep. you still you still gotta go and take it so i think a lot of younger cats these days they feel like i if i find the one thing that i'm passionate about then my life's gonna work itself out now nah, it really isn't if anything is the other way around you work your ass off and then you stumble upon something that you're passionate about and then you have to work your ass off to make that work. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like people think it's like once you find that once you find that thing, it becomes easy. No. Mm-hmm. Once you find that thing, it becomes harder than you can ever, ever imagine. And then if you want it bad enough, then you know, then you get success from it. Mm-hmm. That, so that's, that's a, something that I want to tell people. Yeah, that's that to me is always what separates like <laughs> who's gonna have sustainability versus who's just gonna be here for a little bit just because mm-hmm. It really is just like that. It's like people think that it just magically happens overnight or it only happens in a very short amount of time. But in reality, it's like 
you really got to dedicate yourself every single day, day in and day out to this, or it's never really going to take off. And that's just how it is. Like, and you got to think of all the other amount of people trying to do what you're doing as well. Like there's people that aren't going to give up. There's people that are going to wake up every day and just put in the work and the time. Are you going to do that? Or are you just going to kind of put one foot in and one foot out? You know what I mean? And then like complain when it gets tough. So, yeah. But, or find reasons to not do it. Yeah, exactly. Just make, yeah. make, make I, excuses. I think it's that like, was one of my. I think that was a, one of the most motivating um, elements in my life, especially when things got hard. Like I would think about the people that are still doing it. Mm. The people that like, I would wake up a little bit late, and um, you know, hit snooze a couple times, and then I'll get to work, and then I'll feel guilty, and almost like I'm behind. Because I know somewhere someone woke up at 7 a.m., did a five-mile jog, took a shower, got to the studio, and they got on their shit before I even woke up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, so a lot of times, like, that's what kept pushing me is having the feeling of someone chasing me. Like, yo, if I don't stay till 4 a.m. tonight, someone else is going to stay till 4 a.m. tonight, and they're going to take the spot that we were both fighting for mm-hmm. you know and I don't know if there was a lot of truth to it but that's what I use mm-hmm. to motivate me so I feel like everyone has to find that thing that pushes them that drives them whether it's proving somebody wrong like you know how are you a fan of Michael Jordan yeah did you watch the uh, the documentary uh, the, the, yeah, the 30 the for 30 yeah yeah I saw that well you know how Jordan he always look for a reason to hit that trigger he would just make up stories and just like in his head yeah yeah just like that like that he he used he had to have something to motivate him because i don't know if 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 otherwise he would have had the same drive Mm -hmm. you know kobe too he he was a killer like that Mm -hmm. like and it's not the same for everybody that's successful some people want a better life some people want something that you know, uh, that their parents had when they grew up. And then some people want something that the parents didn't have. Like some people want to be different from the life that they grew up from. And then some people want to elevate from that. So it's like, whatever it is, like you just got to find your thing and, and gung ho. Exactly. And that builds the self-discipline too. Like that's where it all starts to me. So So 10 years from now, let's look into the future now. Let's say, where do you want to be in 10 years from where we're at now? Um, There's a lot of things that I want to accomplish. Like, in 10 years, I want to be a father. I want to be a homeowner. I want to be a studio owner. Um, I want to have a an academy in set in place uh, like in my neighborhood that I grew up in because you know I want to have I want to give people opportunities that I didn't have now I want to be a mentor for the people that you know d- didn't have mentor um, I didn't have a mentor growing up and that's something that I wish I had but now that I'm in my position I'm able to be that for other people mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying so uh, my 10-year goals are not really musical because I know that's going to take care of itself mm-hmm. and the things that I want to do aren't going to work out the way they 
I want them to work out anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to leave that to God. But then the things that I do want are, you know, I want to be a better person. I want to be smarter than I am today. I want to be uh, a better a better, better husband, a better kid, or a better son, um, a better person. And I don't know, man. Uh, there's not a lot of goals I can set 10 years in the yeah. future because it's yep. so far. But just gotta I let... know that if I just, you know, keep, keep the right attitude and work hard, like whatever's going to come is going to be mm-hmm. success. Yeah. Just let it play yeah. itself out. But I love all that. And, like, I feel like you could build a sweet-ass studio, man. Like, I feel like if you had a studio, that would be incredible, top-notch. So It's, it's, it's kind of in the works right now. Oh, like, really? we're, we're, you know, we're planning. We're planning. So, so speaking so. of that, what I know you can't reveal a ton of, you know, what you're working on. Maybe not even music. Mm-hmm. Is What projects can we expect from you in the next, like, year or so? Maybe for the rest of 2021, whatever. Man, um, I've been I've been locking in with like a lot more K-pop stuff. Um, it's kind of a bitch to mix low key because there's so many tracks. tracks I'm yeah. saying like 150 tracks on every single K-pop song, right? But I think um, I kind of want to slowly transition, not transition genres, but position myself so I can be able to work um, more with korea mm-hmm. because i'm korean i was born there but i grew up in the states and for a long time i kind of had like an identity crisis because um i didn't want to fully uh, like fully accept my heritage because because i'm like I'm, I'm american people are like you know what nationality i'm american you know mm-hmm. i look asian but I'm, i was born here i mean I'm, I'm from here i was born there but this is all i know mm-hmm. but a couple years back I had a moment, um, I was visiting Korea, it was on my honeymoon actually, and uh, we went up to like one of the highest towers in, in Busan, which is the second biggest city in Korea, and I looked at, I looked down at the city and I had like a little moment, right, I, I felt a tear coming for no reason, I was like, damn, like, you know, th- these are my people, you know, this is where I'm from, and and from there I kind of started embracing the culture more. and. And um, one of my goals is to kind of be a bridge for the the music industries. Um, as far as engineering and production goes, like I want to I want to do seminars and, and workshops in Korea where uh, I show them how engineers in America do it. Because mm. Cor- Korean engineers they have a completely different different job. You know, they're more the guys that push the buttons, keep the files in check. It's like what engineers used to do 20, 30 years ago in the States. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have any creative say, you know, they're the, they're the bottom guys. So I want to I wanna take what I learned in the States and kind of translate it and, and implant it into the culture over there too. Because I think that can, you know, push the music further. Mm. That's, yeah. that's incredible. I remember talking to uh, Mike Daly on this podcast. He was talking about working with NCT and going over uh-huh. there and like how different it was and the atmosphere and everything. And so I feel like you just bringing light to that. And especially like you said, like your family's from there and everything, that's just like so dope. And I hope you can do that. I hope you can go over there and kind of do little uh, events and things like that. And just kind of like uh, give back to that community as well. Cause like, that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? So um, 
I wish you luck on that, especially. Um, so where are you at on social media? I know you're on Instagram. Are you on Twitter or anything else where people could find you at? I'm on Twitter, Instagram. Um, yeah, I got a TikTok, but I'm not really. I, I mean, there are things that I want to do on there. I have ideas, but it's, it just doesn't fit my timeline really. And yeah. I don't really have time to invest in that. And I used to be on Twitter a lot, but the busier I got, like, you know, like, I don't tweet <laughs> at all anymore. Um, even Instagram is, is so much, it's so time consuming, yeah. you know? And uh, I want to be more active, and but I don't really care like that. Mm. <laughs> I only, I, I try to do it a minimum. Dude, most of the time, you just got to, like, turn your phone off and just put it down. Because you just find, I'll do it, too. I'll find myself just scrolling. And I'll be like, what am I doing? I'm not even looking. You're like, oh, my God. It's like I'm scrolling, and I'm not even seeing anything, like, that's interesting to me or that I care about. And I'm like, why am I even on my phone right now? I just need to put it down. It's almost like we're hoping to see something, something like, amazing. Yeah, exactly. But But most of the time, you're just scrolling endlessly, and you're like. For nothing. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of the times it, it puts you in more of a depressing mood than you started off. Yeah. Because you're seeing the highlights of everybody's lives, you know? You're, you're mm-hmm. seeing just what they want to show to other people. So it's like, oh, man, look at this guy. I went to high school with this guy. He's in a Ferrari. Uh, like, you know, like, what am I doing? That happens, and and I feel like it's so toxic. And, mm-hmm. and this, this generation is going to, you know, have a, have a tough time, man. <laughs> and, you know, that's one of the things I'm really scared about. Um, the prospect of, of becoming a father mm. and and raising a kid in in you know that culture, yeah. like it's tough. But hey, we we went through some shit too, you know, and somehow we came out okay. So I'm not really too worried. <laughs> we'll just have to see what happens because, like you said, I think it's all shifting that way anyway, just with like the yeah. pandemic and everything. So mm-hmm. well, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how it plays itself out. Do you have any final words of wisdom today, David, for the listeners? Man, just don't please, don't don't aim to please other people, you know? Because um, at the end of the day, the person that you're trying to please might might be gone, mm. you know? And if that that's gone, then what are you really working for? Mm-hmm. Like, I I've, I heard that um, they had, they interviewed a, employees at a nursing home and what what's like the, the best advice that people on their deathbeds gave them and that was it like mm. live your life don't try to please other people because you will lose yourself and at the end of the day like you just you don't know yourself anymore mm-hmm. I see that happen with like you know uh, parents a lot one of the parents become okay I have to be the best parent and once they hit 50, 60, it's like, who am I? I don't have any passions. I, their kids leave and they're just lost, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't want that to happen. Um, so I think, you know, just just find yourself and enjoy the things you do and uh, keep doing the things you enjoy, mm-hmm. you know? Because what's, what's life if you can't enjoy it mm-hmm. and if you can't be happy? Like, money's going to be there and... Uh, if, as long as you do what you love and you have passion and, and you work hard at it, like you'll be able to make a killing. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was, when I first started engineering, I almost accepted the fact that, well, I took a look around at all the engineers and, and the lives they le- le- uh, lived and stuff. And I'm like, Hmm, 
engineers don't really make a lot of money. So I'm going into this knowing that, you know, I might cap out at 75 K a year, but I was okay with that. Like, Hey, as long as I'm, I like what I do, I'm okay living a mediocre financial life, you know, but I realized that the top, you know, five, 10% at any, in any field are making a killing. Like you can take, you can take any job, I don't know, sanitation, even trash men, like you have the trash men, like the top tier trash men, those guys are guys that turn trash into, you know, something Mm. or like the scientists that make recyclables into other things. Like they're getting, you know, six figures, high six figures. You take any single job and, and you look at the top five, five, 10% of that job and they're making a killing. So my advice would be, don't be pressured into doing something else for money. Because if you do what you love to do and you get good enough at it, that'll take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Love it, man. Love it, David. Uh, that's all I have for you today, man. Like I said, I appreciate you getting back with me about being on the show. Good luck next week at the Grammys, obviously. King's disease. Hopefully, hopefully you get number three. You get number three, man. I'm wishing you the best of luck and, uh, looking forward to all you got coming up, man. I appreciate you, man. Keep in touch. Absolutely. Thank you guys for listening today. That was episode number 43. If you'd like to support, hit the support button on your podcast streaming platform. If you want to send any funds our way. But until next week, we will see you then. Thanks very much.